We're just going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Loving Father, I just want to thank you for counting the cost for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. That you would know what the separation feels like when you could not look at him when he sat upon the cross with all of our sin upon him. Knowing that you could feel that the strongest point, that separation, because you loved us. We were so far, but you brought us near. And I thank you, Jesus, for being so obedient to the will of the Father that you came to be born a man and to die so that we could live, so that we could know the Father's love, so that we would no longer be separated. I thank you as I hold this emblem of your blood and I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. It's cleansing, removing, yoke-destroying power of the blood of Jesus. And not only does it forgive us, but it cleanses us. It removes every ounce of stain, every remnant of any stain of our sins. I thank you, Father, that you remember our sins no more. And I thank you for your blood. In Jesus' name. And for your precious body, Lord, that was so broken for us. I can't even imagine the pain you have felt in your body for us so we could have healing today. I thank you for that it was broken so many different ways, all with such powerful significance that made us more significant, that made a relationship with you possible in such a way that we never thought possible before. I thank you for your body, and I receive it into myself as, as a body of believers here tonight. We thank you that by your stripes we are the healed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can light your now. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, God. We're just going to have a um, short time around the Word, short devotion. Not going to take up too much time so we can spend some time in real prayer. I just love this passage of scripture and I've been really challenged by it a lot lately. And I knew this is what God wanted me to touch on this tonight. I really loved um, Pastor Tara, your message last Sunday about the king and how he wasn't the king that people were expecting and how he, he did it in such a different way to what was expected. 
You know, they were ready for a war. They were ready for battle. They were ready to take down the Roman Empire and for him to be king on this earth, only to watch before their eyes him be crucified and laid in a tomb. And on that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's just something that I just I don't think we can ever really comprehend or even understand in our natural understanding what, that, what he went through. We think we do. <laughs> we think our life is tough sometimes. But nothing can compare. Absolutely nothing can compare. Have you like ever been in one of those situations like with people or a relationship? It could be a business relationship. It could be a friendship. It could even be in your marriage. Um, where this, this person just seems to constantly rub you up the wrong way. And they constantly are just sort of like digging at you and having a go at you and making life really challenging for you. And I've worked with people like that. I've sort of, you know, been through a few relationships where I've experienced that kind of person. And it's so easy to say, oh my gosh, Lord, just take that person out. Pray them out. Psh, get rid of them. Psh, gone. Um, but I really don't believe that God's God intention. Um, when I look at this passage of scripture of the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm just so challenged about the laying down of our wills to do God's will and how, you know, Jesus' life from beginning until continues was about laying down his life. You know, he got to the garden, he knelt down. That's a symbol of I'm bowing down, I'm laying myself down. But even while he was in heaven, and the Father was sharing his plan of redemption for us. I mean, they're talking about a plan. It's all good in heaven. So much love and joy and peace and comfort. And it's all good, you know. And then the time came for him to be born as a man. And then the time came for him to die on the cross. I don't know, like, you could have some idea of when God gives you a promise. I mean, God promised Jesus that death, the grave would not hold him, that he would be raised to life. But he was still human. And he still went to the garden and he still struggled, just as we do. I'm going totally off my notes. It's okay. <laughs> I, um, I have a situation that I'm actually currently going through at the moment where there are people who are trying to discredit me and trying to make me out to see somebody that I definitely don't think I am. And it's very challenging to, especially when you're closely connected to those people. And one of the things that I love about the will of the Father is that he makes it plain to us in his word. And I love going to the word when I have a challenge and I say to the Father, how do I do this? What do I need to do? And he will pop out a scripture and I just know I need to go there, I need to study it, I need to not just know about it, but actually get it into my heart and actually walk it out in my life. And that means laying down what I want to do. I mean, some of those things that have been said and done would have caused me in the natural to get very heated, very argumentative, very defensive, very proactive in doing something about it. And, you know, we have personal rights. I'm not denying those personal rights to safety and health and food and all of those things. But when it comes to relationships, sometimes God is challenging us through those challenging people to look at our own hearts 
and see what's in there. Because out of that flows our life. Out of that flows our relationship with God. Out of that comes out, when the pressure comes on us, who are we in those situations? Are we reflecting him? Are we actually laying down our wills and allowing the will of the Father to have its way? Because sometimes when we're trying to do things in our flesh, it's really easy to see it in the natural. It looks like this. We don't see the bigger purpose because our flesh is so caught up in the emotion and what's being said and who's saying what and who's doing what. We don't see God's bigger picture. Look at Jesus when he's in the garden. You know, here he is. He's telling his disciples to go and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Why was he saying that? Anybody got any ideas? Why was he saying, don't pray so that you don't fall into temptation? Any ideas? I really feel that um, it's so easy, like if you think about it, if they were to look at this in the natural, obviously they were, they were quite, quite comfortable and quite sleepy and quite tired, so they went to sleep. But he's saying you need to be watchful. Because when you're in a challenge and God wants a bigger purpose to out, be outworked in your life, you need to be praying. <laughs> you cannot do it in your own strength because you will fall away. You will give in to your normal, natural, fleshy desires. You will act out of that if you do not pray. <laughs> You need to pray <laughs> so that we don't do it our own way so that we allow God to have his way. Matthew um, chapter, I think it's 16, yes. Verses 24 and 25, it talks about, you know, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after me. You know, it is ouch. But that's not just like once when you get saved, this is, I feel like God's challenging us. It's a daily thing at the moment. <laughs> I don't know of anybody else out there. <laughs> but it's a daily challenge. Like, I'm continually saying, oh, my Lord, Father, I could so react to that. Uh, no, I am not going to do that. I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to go into the toilet, and I'm going to pray. So if you see me disappearing to the toilet, you know what's happening. I love the toilet. Sometimes when you're young with kids, it's the only peace and place, place, of, you know, place of peace and quiet that you can actually get if you don't hear the old knocking on the door, Mommy, Mommy. Anyway, you need to pray. And I find that when I'm praying and I'm actually asking the Lord for his will, I feel his heart. When you're praying for that person, you're not praying, God, get them. God, do them over. God, do them in. You're praying, God, what are you wanting me to know here? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? What's the bigger purpose here? What can't I see that's right in front of my face? You know, I want his heart for that situation. I want that heart for that person, you know. And as I began to do that, and I love the other passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where it talks about pray for those, pray for your enemies, love them. Pray for those who persecute you and spitefully use you. The thing is, when you do that, it's amazing what God does in you. He changes your perspective of how he sees that person and how he wants to move in that situation. And I began to do this with this particular, these particular people. And as I began to do that, what I've noticed is that it's like I've got a new joy. It's like a new joy. It's like new life coming in. Because 
in Matthew 16, it says not just about denying yourself and taking the cross and following him, but it also said, whoever loses his life will find it. So when we lose our life, which means when we do it God's way, we're not standing up on our own two feet, doing trying to do our own strength, we allow God to have his way, you will find his life breathing in that situation, even breathing in and through you, and he might even use you to touch that other person's life, to make a change. One of the things I used to do when I worked in a company in New Zealand was there was so much animosity towards Christians or anything godly. I would go in there early in the morning and pray over their seats and just pray for the Holy Spirit just to bless them, just to love on them, just to shine the love of Jesus. And, you know, it was like years later I went back to visit that company after a long left and all of those people had got saved. It was amazing. But those people, honestly, used to drive me absolutely insane. But God, but Jesus, you know, his love is greater than anything we will ever know. And his love is what compels me. Who am I to stand up against my brother or my sister whom he loves and wants the best for because they're, they're, they're giving me a hard time? Look what time they gave Jesus. <laughs> Look how they, what they did to him. And he willingly, willingly went to it, knowing the joy that was set before him, knowing that he would do it for us so we could be here today, tonight, celebrating what he did for us. It's amazing. So we talk a lot about will, because it is a will. And there's a really good um, sort of dictionary meaning I looked up, which is really cool. It says, will, the mental faculty by which one deliberately chooses or decides upon a course of action. We will always have a choice. In every situation that comes in our lives, we have a choice, whether we're gonna do it our own way or whether we're gonna do it God's way. I just wanna encourage you tonight to actually always choose God's way, whether you can see what's happening in it or you can't. To have faith in the good character and the good name of Jesus you know, it's, it sounds a bit old school when you're preaching about laying down your life. It's like old school preaching. But the thing about God, he's still the same yesterday, today and forever. He still requires of us what he has given to us. We can't hold it for ourselves. It's not for our own purpose. We have been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus has bought us so that we can live out the life that he died to give us in the first place. So who are we? to withhold his love on those who need it? Who are we to withhold finances from those who need it? Who are we to withhold prayer from those who need it? Have you ever prayed for an angry person? <laughs> yeah, I've prayed for a few angry people over my time. And it's amazing how God's presence will just manifest and just melt them. Because it says in his presence, his enemies melt like wax. They just melt. They can't can't withstand him. His presence is awesome. And prayer is such a mighty weapon of God. And love that never fails should be, always be the motivating factor in why we pray. 
You know, we shouldn't be praying to get our own way or the, the way we want things to see things work out. We actually should be praying the way God wants that thing to be worked out, even if it costs us, if it breaks us down, it changes us in the process. Always allow God to be first, just like Jesus. I mean, he was not his own. He only ever did the will of the Father. And even now, today, he sits at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? Always making intercession for us. The same yesterday, today. He laid down his life and he's still continuing to do so. Does, does, is laying down your will a struggle? Yep. Definitely. And look at Jesus. It says that he was in agony. He just had the angel come and strengthen him. Imagine that. An angel just coming and giving you strength. And it says, he was in agony. And in the Greek, that means struggling. He was struggling to gain the victory over his own will. And he laid it down. He said, nevertheless, not mine, but yours be done. Whoa. <laughs> so we think we struggle. <laughs> not to the point of sweating blood. That is amazing what he did for us. And the fact that he understands us, he gets us, he made us. And that we can actually go to him with our struggles. Knowing that we can give those things to him. And knowing that in exchange, he will give us his life and his love and his peace. It's amazing. What, I mean, it's just win-win all the way when you do it God's way. And I just, you know, I just want to take a few moments. Like, I know that God's been really challenging me about my TV time. And every now and again, especially with the kind of work that I do, it's really challenging, it's really draining, and you get home some days and you're like, so done. But he's been speaking to me about how I need to replenish. You know, it's good to replenish your spirit, your soul, and your body. And it's good for your soul, especially if your spirit is strong. And the way we can get strong is in his presence. It's worshipping the Lord. It's giving that time to him. You can't get that time back. You can't wait and say, oh, oops, oops, hang on, Jesus is already here. Oop, too late. God got to go and get ready. No, he's calling us to get ready now. The day, honestly, the harvest is coming. The day is approaching. And I want to be ready. I want to be with the doors open for the wedding feast. Man, I'm in there like a shot. I'm ready. Going in. Celebrating with him. So I just, you know, we've got this 24-7 um, prayer camp up until Sunday. It doesn't matter if you pray here or you pray at home. Just pray. Honestly, he changes us. He wants, he has a heart and a purpose that he wants to see made manifest. He wants his kingdom here on earth. He was coming back for a spotless bride <laughs> without spot or wrinkle, you know. That's us. Are we ready? Are we truly ready? What are the things that he's actually challenging you with? Because I know if he's challenging me, he's not, I'm not the only single person here. You know, he's challenging all, us all. What do we need to lay down? What are we prepared to give up? I'm prepared to give up more TV time. <laughs> Why? Because I love him and he loves me. And he's so worth my time. <laughs> he gave it all for me anyway. And so it's his literally anyway. So I want to give back to him what he's already given. 
and I want to give it to others. I want to share it with others. I want to impart it to others. I want to see others fulfill God's call on their lives. I want to see them changed and transformed into being everything that God made them to be. So what are we prepared to give up? Are we also prepared to give up those things that hold us back, that stop us being really close and intimate with him? I mean, the Father couldn't even look at Jesus on the cross because of all of the sin. The depth of that separation, the depth of that loss and grief of you know, intimacy would have been huge. We think we know death. We do to some degree when we lose people that are close to us. But that kind of separation, because of sin, you know, there are things in our lives that do hold us back from getting going in deeper and being more intimate with Jesus. And he's not standing there saying, oh, you naughty son and daughter, you shouldn't be doing that. No, he's saying, no, come closer. And the more closer you get, the less you want. The closer you get, the less you want those other things. They start to fade away in the distance you know. Can I have the music team back up, please? Thanks. There may be things that <clears throat> God's already beginning to speak to you about. I'm believing the Holy Spirit to already be touching on your hearts to challenge you about some things that you might need to change in your life. You might need to rearrange your schedule and allow God into your schedule. You know, you might need to um, change some friendships and stop hanging out with certain people who are actually bringing you down and not actually making you go closer to God. You know, he may be wanting you to give up certain activities that may be good and honourable still, but still aren't allowing you to go deeper with God. You know, I know for me, um, like I say, that TV is one of my zone-out times. <laughs> And it's just where I can, nothing's requiring of me, no one's asking me anything, nobody's wanting anything. But I realised that as I watch TV, I'm not getting anything from that either. <laughs> and so what I realised is I started turning the TV off, and started praying a bit more, how that's changed things for me. 